0: Hi everyone, welcome. I'm Suresh, I'm a product manager for Amazon Aurora. And for those of you who are not familiar with the service, Aurora is a fully managed MySQL and Postgres compatible database that offers the performance and availability of a high-end commercial system, along with the cost and simplicity of open source. It's my real pleasure today to introduce JunYahoo and Ruben Glee from Airbnb. Airbnb is a longtime user of RDS MySQL, which they've used to power most of their production workloads. And as their business has scaled, they were looking for something that was even more performant, even more available. And they've chosen Aurora. As I work with the team through this migration process, one of the things that really stood out to me is the world-class infrastructure that they've put in place to test and migrate web-scale workloads. So without further ado... Junya Hu to describe the journey to Aurora.
1: Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Xingyao and Robin from LBNB's infrastructure team. Today, we are going to give a talk on how we migrate our databases to Aurora. The, the agenda of the talk is part of the following First, we are going to briefly introduce LBNB's architecture we will go over our database setups in depth, and we will illustrate the challenges we have seen in the past few years, both from the nature traffic growth and the increasing the number of engineers. These challenges become the motivation for us to test and adopt better databases technologies. We will explain how do we test and benchmark Aurora to make sure that it will meet our production needs. In the, in the end, we will introduce our migration approaches to migrate to Aurora with minimal site downtime. Let's start. For those of you who are not familiar with Airbnb, Airbnb is an online marketplace for and hospitality services enabling people to lease or rent short term lodging, including vacation rentals, apartment rentals, and so on. It has over 3 million listings distributed in 65,000 65, cities. In 191 countries. Let's first let's first briefly look at Airbnb's architecture. Few years ago, Airbnb starts with a very simple architecture, three-layer architecture. The request hit our load balancer and gets forwarded to our web server. We choose um, to run Ruby. We choose Ruby on Rails as our web framework, and our most critical data are stored in MySQL. We partition the databases by product features. For instance, all LBB messages are storing MySQL databases named MessageDB. All listing availability information are storing databases called CalendarDB. The most critical data, such as reservations, are storing our main databases we call AirMaster. We run MySQL entirely on Amazon RDS. In order to support more read QPS, Uh, start to run multiple RDS re-replicas. Typical cluster would consist of one master and up to 10 re-replicas. Few years ago, we decided to move away from this monolithic Ruby on Rails architecture to a more service-oriented architecture. Services like Search and Risk has already been running on standalone Java services, and there are ongoing migration to pull the rest uh, services like pricing and payments into separate services. We use open source software extensively in various kinds of stacks. For instance, we're using Nginx in our load balancer. We're using ZooKeeper to power auto service discovery. We're using Elk to store and query production logs. In addition to MySQL, we use Redis and Memcache to store ephemeral data. <coughs> so what is the business requirement on the database side? So for a typical page on Airbnb, for instance, the listing detail pages. Um, it takes the web tier would query databases from thirty to fifty times, and every single query would take on average one to two milliseconds. And p95 latency would take about ten milliseconds. So, any small regressions and issues on database side uh, can be very easily observed from our web tier. From a database cluster point of view, the biggest clusters we get take over 100,000 QPS. So here's a summary of our databases deployment. Mostly using MySQL, we have very few Postgres and Oracle. These Postgres and Oracle are used by a vendor software, a third-party software, who has very strong dependencies to these databases. We were running MySQL on EC2 initially. It was a challenge back in 2011 it was a challenge for us to imp- implement the proper automations to run MySQL on EC2. For instance, all the massive failover, backup, restore, and PITR. Back in 2011, we made a decision to migrate all our MySQL databases to RSQL, uh, RDS MySQL, and we are 100% running on RDS MySQL since then. Up until right now, we have hundreds of RDS clusters deployed. We're also using Terraform to manage all the databases. The benefits of using Terraform is that all the changes to our databases cluster is version controlled and peer reviewed. Let's go over some of the challenges we have experienced on databases layer in the past few years. The first challenge is to support Airbnb's fast business growth. This graph shows how weekly traffic count and response time changes in the past two years. The red bar represents the aggregated weekly traffic counts, and the red line represented average responsible time, response time observed on web layer. You can see very clearly that the traffic to Airbnb grows very quickly, while the user experiences do not does not degrade in the past few years. So on the back end, we have done numerous optimizations, such as caching, um, reducing unnecessary databases query to support a business growth. However, given all the imp- optimization implemented, it becomes harder and harder for us to achieve the same year over year. Therefore, we are actively looking for new databases technologies to help us scale the site. The second challenge is introduced by SOA, SOA initiative. With the transition to SOA, more engineers are building services now we have hundreds of services and hundreds of databases clusters running in production. The increasing number of databases clusters make it really hard for us to provision, modify, monitor, and operate databases. In next few slides, I'm going to explain how Jitter impacts our site availability and how the increasing number of clusters make the problem worse. Another issues we are seeing is fast data growth. This graph, shows the free space percentage changes on one of our critical payments databases. You can see clearly that the client is inserting a lot of data, and in the past few months, we have increasing the EBS volume on the underlying RDS, on the RDS instances three times, and it is provisioned at the maximum capacity right now. According to our estimation, it's going to run out of disk in about five months if nothing is being done on the application side. One way to solve this is build sharded MySQL. On the application layer, the idea is that try to distribute data to more than one audience instances. However, it's pretty challenging for us to finish this within five months, given all the complexity of dependencies on databases in LBME's infrastructure ecosystems. Over the past few years, we have observed a few challenges while running at web scale. The first challenge is that it took more than a day for us to create a re-replica for some of our bigger databases cluster. For instance, um, this is especially inconvenient when we want to expand our re-replica during a spike of user traffic, for instance, during the Super Bowl ads time. A similar issue is that it took about a similar amount of time to restore a databases for some of the big clusters. Restoring on databases is a fairly regular process for us. For instance, we use databases backup and restore to move data from our databases to the data warehouses. In addition to that, we restore databases to run experiment to tune and benchmark MySQL configuration changes. The additional 16 hours of delay is acceptable for some of these use cases. Another issue we observed is why restoring databases It's often needed to warm up the instances. Applications often see significantly more latency after the instance is initially created. Therefore, we have built a customized script to warm up the instances by scanning every single row on databases. This entire process takes several hours and it's quite inconvenient for us. The last challenge we see is frequent jitter. This graph shows the effect of jitter. When it happens, we see constant rewrite latency increase on the RDS instances. As a result, MySQL threads running increase on the RDS side. Then, from the application point of view, the rewrite latency to databases will increase. And maybe the application will start to see timeout, and the users will see 500 pages. On uh, a per instance level, It might appear only a few times in a year, randomly. The length of jitters vary from a couple of minutes to a couple of hours, depending on the underlying events on the Amazon side, which we do not have a lot of visibilities into. This is a failure scenario where we have very little controls on our side. From a single instance point of view, it might not not seem to have a big deal if there's only a few jitters happens in a year However, if you look at the aggregated level, it is quite concerning. This is a graph that shows the effect of jitters on a small portions of our production databases. Each line represents a database with a different color. You can see clearly that in this four hours of period of time, jitter is constantly happening. In order to alleviate this, we have implemented a few fallback strategies in our databases client and proxy. For instance, our client would automatically retry the query if the query times out on a database's replica with jitter. However, if the issue happens on master, there's very little we can do. According to our estimations, about 10% of LBNB's downtime can, can be attributed to latency jitters. The current LBNB's availability metrics is somewhere around three to four four nines. 10% is a small number, but we still want to optimize it this problem, these problem is, uh, the, the general problem is, is enlarged by our, our critical business flow depends on more databases, which is the problem when we're running a web scale. Because of all these challenges, we start to consider alternative. By the time we do evaluation, there are two alternatives to us. One is EC2 MySQL, the second is Aurola. The benefits of running easy to MySQL is that we get access to underlying local SSD directly, which is more performant. Also, we have more control and the visibility into the system. We could have SSH to the instances and does the instance level profiling. The downside is that we need to staff a DBA team and starting working on a lot of the automation pieces where RDS MySQL already provides, such as databases backup, restore, point-in-time restore, and creating re-replicas. And also, due to the limitations on a single dependency on a single EC2 instance, we need to handle the sharding in the database sharding in the very near term. On the Aurola side, the benefit, Aurola solves a lot of the problems we see in the past. No jitters can scale up to 64 terabytes. In terms of the operation, it is very similar as RDS MySQL, which we already get used to. And also, we are really excited about some of the features Aurola features which is not available in the standard MySQL build. Given all of this, we decided to evaluate Aurola first. In order to evaluate Aurora, we built up evaluation metrics, which can be categorized into four different buckets. Performance, compatibility, failure scenario, and operational overhead. In performance, we were we first evaluating latency meaning that given the same production workload, Aurora needs to be on par or faster compared with RDS MySQL. we also evaluated the throughput. The definitions of throughput is that given a latency threshold, how much more QPS can Aurola take in terms of read and writes? In a compatibility session, want to making sure that from our client, Ruby and Java client point of view, Aurora is no different than a normal MySQL instances. We also studied isolation, transaction isolations, in the hope that all existing databases transaction will have the same semantic as before. We also tested it durability setting, meaning that during a massive failover, Aurora do not lose more data compared with RDS MySQL. We also have a lot of tooling built around MySQL. For instance, we use MySQL Bing Log to do change capture system to send MySQL Bing Log into the rest of LBNB's infrastructure. In addition to that, we have script, monitor, script to pull InnoDB stats and sending these monitoring metrics into our uh, uh, monitoring systems. In addition to that, we use extensively MyDumper, MyLoader to do logical databases backup. We hope all of these tools will still work. In addition to that, we studied a lot of failure scenarios, which we often commonly see in RDS MySQL. Take master failover, for example. We want to calculate how long does it take for both Aurora and RDS MySQL perform master failover. In the last section, operational overhead, we study the most common operations we do. For instance, create cluster, create re-replicas, and doing point-in-time recover in the hope that on the operational side, Aurora will perform much better. Now I'm going to hand over to Robin to cover the rest of the sections.
2: Can you hear me? Hello, everyone. My name is Robin Lee. Uh, I'm a software engineer working on the uh, Aurora migration. Uh, so I'm going to talk about some of the technical details uh, on how we evaluate and uh, migrate uh, Aurora. So, <coughs> so what we care most about is the perfor- Aurora's performance. Uh, for performance testing, we use a tool called DB Replay. Uh, DB Replay is an in-house developed load testing framework. Uh, it's a tool to test against production workload without actually putting your DB into production. So um, we can use DB Replay to stress test the database with 1x to 10x workload. In the past, uh, it helped us to do a database headroom projection. And right now, we are, we are uh, also using it to uh, verify new infrastructure projects like the Aurora migration. So this is the high-level overview of uh, the DB Replay. So in production, we have uh, front-end applications sending queries to the production databases. At the same time, they are also logging the, exact, uh, the actual SQL queries they made to a database to the Kafka queue. And we have a daily job to restore uh, the instances from production databases, backups. And those instances will be used to test against DB replay. <laughs> to start a DB replay test, um, we go to the DB replay uh, controller web application and create a test job. The test job will spawn multiple DB replay workers depending on how many times of production workload you want to replay. And the workers will consume events from the Kafka queue and get the SQL queries out of it, and then send the queries to the uh, uh, DB replay uh, instances we want to test. While the job is running, uh, we can monitor the performance using CloudWatch and MySQL metrics from our Datadog dashboard. So this is uh, the UI of Deep Replay, just to give you an idea of how it looks like. Um, first of all, you can specify the source database uh, workload you want to replay. And then the target database host name you want to replay the workload on. And then um, you can provide the starting, incremental, and ending load multiplier. For example, you can just put uh, starting load uh, 1x, uh, starting load as 1, incremental load uh, 0.01 per minute, and ending load 4. And then you put the uh, duration of the test. And finally, you can say, uh, replay the query start from the given uh, timestamp. Uh, we tested one of our right heavy workloads using DB replay. And here is how we compare uh, MySQL and Aurora side by side. Um, <coughs> the blue line represents Aurora, and the purple line represents uh, MySQL 5.7. We ran four times of production workload. Which is around uh, 30,000 30, QPS. And the yellow dashed line was the current production workload, which is near 8,000 QPS. Um, both Aurora and MySQL are, were running on R3 AX large instances. And the MySQL instance has the max out settings. Uh, we, are sending, we are sending the same QPS to both instances. If you look at uh, the total QPS um, graph on the upper left, uh, the two lines actually overlap, which means they are getting the same amount of traffic. However, on the right hand side, uh, you can see that uh, Aurora performed much better in terms of uh, client side rewrite latency. Uh, here's a performance metric summary we got from the write heavy load tests. Uh, we saw Aurora has two times of uh, read headroom and four times of write headroom compared to uh, RDS MySQL. Uh, the headroom the term headroom here means that the maximum throughput we can achieve while keeping the latency within our, our SLA. And under the same throughput, Aurora's uh, write latency is 75% lower than MySQL. Um, please note that this, this number, uh, these numbers are only for the specific workload we are testing. Uh, you might see different results for uh, your specific workload. And we also did a lot of non performance testing. Uh, here's the test summary. Um, we verify that Aura is fully compatible with our Ruby client and JDBC. And it has the same transaction isolation behavior as MySQL. Um, in a crash event, Aura does not lose any bin log. And it also uh, provides uh, comparable CloudWatch and MySQL metrics uh, as RDS MySQL. Uh, Aurora is fully compatible with some of, our, some of the common toolings we are using, such as uh, MySQL my uh, MyDumper, and, and Terraform. Uh, during the evaluation, we didn't observe any network blips. And for one of our largest database cluster, the time to do a master failover went down from uh, two minutes to 20 seconds. And the time to create a re-replica went down from one day to five minutes. And the time to do a point-in-time re- uh, restore Went down from 10 hours to one hour. Another nice property about a Pitr Aurora's Pitr is that it does uh, the restore instances. Uh, the restore instances reach the maximum performance immediately, and we don't need to uh, we don't do a warm up like the like the EBS. <coughs> um, before we started the full scale migration, we want to put Aurora into production with uh, relatively low risk. And we decided to use Aurora uh, re-replicas to serve re-traffic. We ran Aurora replicas on our biggest database clusters for a month just to test its stability in the real production environment. We observed no jitter during the Aurora evaluation. This is a big win for us because uh, that means by switching to Aurora, we can eliminate 10% of our total downtime. Now let's t- uh, let me talk about actual migration. Uh, so we have some high-level uh, requirements for the migration. First of all, um, migration should minimize t- disruptions on end users and our product teams. Uh, a few months ago, uh, we finished a project to migrate RDS instances into VPC. We used to take down the whole site for 20 minutes of maintenance, and then fail over dozens of clusters at the same time. This is a highly risky, error-prone, a stressful operation, and it was not a great experience uh, for everyone involved. At this time, for the Aurora migration, we want, we want to do something better. Secondly, the migration should be scalable enough to handle 100-plus clusters. Um, the migration should, should have a well-defined process and should be automated in most parts, simply because there are so many work to do. Um, finally, the migration should be reversible. We want to have a way to fall back to RDS MySQL if anything goes wrong. Well, let me share with you our migration timeline. We started the Aurora evaluation on July 2017. And then in September, we finished the evaluation, and we started to run Aurora replicas in production. In October, uh, we migrated a few most important masters to Aurora uh, to, uh, to test the failover process, uh, while still keeping the RDS MySQL fleet. At this time, we can, still the revert, uh, we can still revert the migration if necessary. In December, we are going to fail over all the masters while keeping the RDS MySQL fleet. We will run it for a, few, for a month. And if, anything, uh, if everything goes well, we will gradually start deleting the, um, all the RDS MySQL instances. Um, since we have 100 plus clusters to uh, migrate, we need a scalable way to manage those RDS instances. At Airbnb, we use Terraform to manage RDS resources with code. Um, The right-hand side is the code that describes one of our um, biggest Aura clusters. Um, The the, the code describes the cluster uh, with one master and six replicas and and some of the parameter group settings. Um, When we commit a code, uh, we have a Jenkins job to run Terraform and automatically create, update, and delete the resources based on your change. Uh, By committing this code, Terraform will automatically create one Aura cluster, one master instance, six replicas, one DB parameter group, and one DB cluster parameter group automatically for you. It saves us from clicking a lot of buttons on AWS console. Uh, since all the changes are made through code, uh, you can actually track the complete history of the changes uh, in the virtual control system. Now, after all the Aurora clusters are created using Terraform, the next thing to do is to dump data. We use a tool called MyDumper, which is a faster, parallelized MySQL dump. The reason why we do this is because we have many MySQL 5.7 clusters. Uh, Creating Aurora replicas through AWS console API was not supported yet. After the data dump is finished, um, we we set up replications from RDS MySQL to Aurora. The next stage is to uh, shift Slate traffic from RDS-MySQL to Aurora. This is a cheap and low-risk way to get experience of running Aurora in production. We changed the application to send Slate traffic away from MySQL uh, replicas to Aurora replicas, while still sending the master traffic to MySQL masters. The Aurora master is synced with MySQL master with bin log replication. If there's an issue, we can just revert the change without affecting data integrity. We run this setting for our biggest DB clusters for a month. Now the tricky part is, how do we migrate the master write traffic with minimum downtime? We came up with a pretty nice solution with the help of DB Proxy. The main benefit of DB Proxy is to um, decouple the applications from the underlying database infrastructure. We are using a fork of the open source MaxScale DB proxy, including several in-house developed features like configurable connection pooling, request throttling and back pressure, blacklist query rejection, and most importantly, fast connection refresh. Uh, I want to highlight fast connection refresh here because it helped us a lot in reducing downtime during the master migration. Uh, I will talk about this in a little bit. Um, we deploy DB proxy in EC2 in instances and put it in the middle of the applications and databases. It's a stateless service so that we can um, scale it horizontally with capacity increase. Now let's take a deep, deeper look at how DB proxy was set up to realize fast connection refresh. Uh, the DB proxy was configured with two connection pools. Each creates persistent connection to MySQL and Aurora respectively. However, only one of connection pool is active at any given time. The proxy determines which proxy connection pool is active by detecting the current replication topology. It will only activate the pool for the master of the replication topology. The client connections are connected to a DB, uh, are connected to a DB proxy. And there is a router that routes the client queries to the uh, current active connection pool. When the replication topology changes, the DB proxy quickly detects the change and almost instantaneously routes queries to the alternative connection pool. The client doesn't know anything about it, like it's always talking to the same database, because the client connection uh, don't close. It takes only 10 seconds to shift all the queries to the alternative uh, connection pool. The process is extremely fast, because the persistent connection was already created, and there is no extra overhead of creating a new connections from the clients. Now, now let's zoom out a little bit and see how we apply DB proxy in the master migration. We drop DB proxy in the middle of application databases. We configure the proxy to manage two backends, the um, MySQL master and Aurora master. The worst thing can happen during migration is losing data. We need to make sure that at any given time, we are making writes to either MySQL or Aurora, but not both. Uh, the Aurora team provided us a special store procedure called set read-only, uh, which effectively uh, rejects all the writes. First, we write log the MySQL master by setting read-only to one. Uh, this will prevent all the writes uh, from the applications. But reads will still be fine. The applications will start seeing write-errors from, uh, from this point. Since there is no right to MySQL master, after we set re-only to one, we wait for Aurora to catch up replication. And then we reverse the replication, promote Aurora master, uh, promote Aurora as master and MySQL as Aurora's slave. The DB proxy quickly detects the replication topology has changed and then started to route master traffic to Aurora. The whole process can be finished under 10 seconds. And then the application will stop seeing write errors. We keep MySQL master write-locked to prevent unexpected writes uh, going through. Um, the, migra- uh, the master migration only creates less than one minute of write downtime, time. And there were no read downtime time at all. Uh, MySQL is still synced with Aurora uh, after the migration. We're going to keep this setting for, for a month. So if any issue comes up, we can revert the migration without losing any data. Once we verify that there is no more errors from the application side, we will repeat this, pro- uh, repeat this pro- process for every other clusters. Uh, so far, we have migrated 25% of our, um, our database clusters, which represents 70% of our total database traffic. Our strategy here is to migrate the biggest and most important uh, clusters to deliver the most impact, and also address the immediate pain point from our team. <coughs> there are a long tail of 100 plus clusters. We are either, they are either internal usages or not, serve, uh, not serving the, uh, core business logic, and we will migrate them gradually in the next few months. Now, uh, conclusion future work. Uh, Here's a quick recap of all the measurable benefits of uh, adopting Aurora. Um, We gained a significant amount of read and write headrooms. We eliminated all the jitters. We we have a a small and stable replication lag. And we save a lot of time in some of the common database operations. We just started to use Aurora, but haven't really leveraged uh, some of the cool features in Aurora yet. Um, sometimes we need to run some uh, expensive one-off queries or other crazy things against the real-time data. Uh, with Aura's clone feature, we can quickly spin up a clone instance within five minutes and then delete it after use. Currently, we have some online schema changes that can take hours or days to finish. With FastDDL, uh, uh, I believe uh, it can definitely help a lot in some of the cases. We'll have a requirement to back up data into S3 uh, for disaster recovery. Aurora supports in, uh, loading data directly into S3. So it will be more convenient than a MySQL dump. So that's the talk. Thank you for thank you for joining us. <clears throat>
0: So hopefully that gave you a good sense of how Airbnb was able to scale their workloads with Aurora and eliminate some of the problems that they were seeing earlier, really getting web scale performance, web scale availability, and also a ton of operational benefit in terms of just all the things that you'd have to do as a DBA. And not just that, but also how they were very methodical about thinking, how do you actually evaluate one of your database targets? And once you made a choice, how do you make sure that you can migrate with as little or no disruption to your web-scale workloads? So we're going to stick around. We have a few minutes left still. So please, if you have any questions, find us. Junya, Rubang, and I will be here. And thank you again to Junya and Rubang for for the talk. (laughs)